2018, they got $1.1 billion acquisition. And then 2019 and 2021, they acquired five or six different companies. I think most of these are addressed. The workflow specifically is definitely addressed with the companies that they acquire. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, Alavage IQ. Do you know an e-commerce platform that is designed for enterprise-grade websites? Do you know an e-commerce platform that is primarily designed for B2C experiences with the ability to build composable experiences? Do you know an e-commerce platform that is .NET based? Do you know an e-commerce platform that can accommodate up to five rules to provide personalized experiences through deterministic identity? Do you know an e-commerce platform that has support for GraphQL? If you have guessed Sitecore, then you are right. In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of Sitecore's capabilities. We covered many grounds, including its unique position in the market with B2C companies and its strengths in all layers of commerce, from content to experience management to commerce. Finally, we discussed how the layers of deterministic identity work with CDP platforms and why that is important for the personalized experience in the B2C market. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. And we review one vendor or the solution from the e-commerce technology space. And for today, we have a very interesting solution called Sitecore. So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I'm Sam Gupta, your uh, host and principal consultant at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent e-commerce ERP digital transformation consulting firm. On that note, I am going to move to Robert for his intro. Hi, Robert Brown from Robert Brown E-Commerce Consultancy. I specialize in small to medium-sized B2C and uh, D2C companies and help them move forward in this crazy world. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. Uh, and uh, if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys send uh, your questions and comments. We typically try to cover them towards the tail end of the show. If you run out of time, we'll make sure that you guys are going to receive your answers. So, Robert, I am going to provide quick brief into 
where these guys fit overall in the value chain and a little comparison in terms of where they are overall in their journey and then we can take your commentary based on whatever experiences you have had with the solution so sitecore is very interesting and you know it's it's name is sitecore but i don't know how mainstream they are going to be at least in the uh, e-commerce space there are businesses that are really going to know them uh, just because um, you know they must be in that ecosystem that's why they sort of like them so overall if we go back to our segmentation robert uh, you know between your smb to enterprise so obviously this is going to be very enterprise solution which would mean multiple websites multiple brands under one solution you know that's our sort of definition uh, overall in terms of the size the other segmentation that i like to discuss is going to be the language and in my mind that plays a big role overall uh, you know the language that the platform is built upon uh, because obviously the customers that are going to utilize any sort of enterprise grade platform they need to have extremely deep it capabilities if they are going to be on sitecore now sitecore is probably the only solution i believe is on dotnet uh you know i don't know how many different platforms are there but they have tight uh, correlation with microsoft uh in dotnet so they are going to be with any industries that microsoft likes to go after uh, that's where uh, sitecore is going to be extremely handy uh, overall in their journey when i look at the tech stack and architecture i am actually excited based on what they have done uh, okay so overall from the tech framework perspective they seem to have graphql capabilities i don't know if we have seen anybody having graphql capabilities so far that is going to be demoable a lot of people are talking about it but i have personally not seen a real demo demo uh, of graphql but these guys actually have that so that's a big deal uh, in general other companies are sort of trying to get there but they are not there even the headless uh, vendors uh, the other segmentation i'm going to have is these guys are uh, headless even though headless vendors are probably going to question their uh, headless capabilities but the way their architecture is done it seems that they probably have those capabilities now the next segmentation is going to be b2b versus b2c um in my mind these guys are very b2c centric platform in fact the way their architecture and go to market strategies built they seem to be almost api server optimizedly of the b2c space that's how i am reading them the way their uh, you know product bundling is they like to call it as an it's very similar to the way your hubspot is going to do or salesforce uh, is going to do so these guys are dividing their product into three different portfolio and they call it as content to commerce platform so you have the content cloud the experience cloud and the commerce cloud and overall if you look at the, the whole bundle it's just mind blowing the way uh, their capabilities are how deep you could get into the b2c space and the kind of capabilities you are going to require in the b2c space so robert i'm actually going to pause there uh, you know uh, you know share whatever commentary you have related to your experience 
and obviously critical commentary on my assessment. Sure. So tossing out some names that people may know. So they've got FIS. Yeah. They've got Big Lots. They've yeah. got Chick-fil-A. They've got Rust-Oleum. Um, they've got American Honda. They've got Con Ed. Uh, let's see who else. Subway, HomeServe, a uh, couple of hospitals, AXA Insurance. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they, they are across a couple of different verticals, um, like Formica and Fujitsu. Yeah. And Bank. So they, they are strongly in B2C and they've got some B2B um, work going on here. So uh, who is it? Not Little Caesars. It's uh, the other big pizza place. Yeah. Um, they, they use it for their, it's more B2B. It's all their franchisees to log in and do orders to them as well. So I think I've had an opportunity to play with them with um, a couple of clients and the, the functionality that they have here that is, that is native to the system that you don't have to bolt on from some third party is pretty amazing. Now I've, I've seen some of the reviews that we can talk about later. Yeah. And I have definite opinions about those reviews. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to go over those. But in your mind, when you are thinking B2B, uh, you know, so you are considering the franchise business as B2B as well. Now, that could be a different sort of B2B. <laughs> I kind of agree with you that that's probably going to be a little B2B there. But I think, you know, we saw this business model in the case of VTX as well. And I don't know if you remember VTX, they were very deep into the franchise business model. In my mind, that is still very retail because you have the consumer traffic coming in. And, and we don't know at this point of time, okay, how these companies are utilizing, let's say the platform. Sometimes they might have their division segmented into B2C and B2B. For B2C, they might use this platform for B2B, they might use something else. That's always a possibility with the enterprise accounts. Right, right. So the one I was thinking of, it's Papa John's, and it's it's specifically for their franchisees to order their supplies from the mothership. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's a straight B2B play right there. It's not, you know, like a dropship kind of thing. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, with the enterprise accounts, I think one of the factors that we cannot ignore is going to be Sometimes these enterprise accounts are going to build pretty much everything from scratch. Okay. Yep. So for them, they are probably not really a good indicator in terms of what they have done uh, with a tool. If they are going to develop everything from scratch, they can probably develop in some language. You know, they probably don't need an e-commerce platform. So typically for us, the right accounts that I personally like to compare are going to be the ones that are trying to utilize as much as possible from the platform, the more capabilities, and they have done some sort of research uh, of the platform in terms of buy versus build, sort of decision making there, right? Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, uh, so I think let's uh, go over these slides uh, and then we'll uh, come back to this uh, uh, based on their features as well, because I don't know if I have seen any sort of B2B features in the platform itself in fact there was a commentary that even in case of b2c you are probably going to end up building a lot of features you know there's not going to be anything that is going to be available like what you are going to find in case of shopify or big commerce so obviously you are going to require a lot of heavy lifting overall mm -hmm. from the development perspective 
So let's look at this. So here they are saying the site core and the way they have positioned this as customer experience management company that provides web content management. Obviously, content management is going to be a big piece. And site core obviously is a very enterprise grade CMS platform. Uh, you know, and they are trying to define it as multi-channel marketing uh, automation software. Uh, but you know, I have seen even in the demos that they are trying to integrate with Salesforce uh, marketing as well. So they might have their own journey builder, but they are definitely partnering with uh, uh, with Salesforce in the best of breed scenario. So uh, I don't know where to draw the line, but these guys seem to have a little bit of marketing automation capabilities as well. Now, the company was started in Denmark, so it's probably going to have a little European taste there. Uh, and then uh, they are saying Sitecore was spun off as a separate business entity that initially sold content management system in the Danish market. So that's uh, where they started. Then we have some more evolution here. Sitecore acquired the development team and the intellectual property of Pectora, I guess, right? The provider of web publishing solution. So that was some sort of deep in integration with print-based projects. So I don't know why they would do that. Uh, to be honest, I don't know what they were doing in 2011. Uh, that seems to be a very interesting acquisition right there. Then they are saying in 2013, Sitecore uh, acquired the assets of the commerce server.net from Smith and took responsibility and ownership for developing, marketing, and selling Sitecore commerce server, formerly a Microsoft product called Microsoft commerce server. Um, so, Robert, I don't know if you have any sort of background in the Microsoft ecosystem. Uh, you know, seems like my, they acquired this from Microsoft. That's how it reads right now when I read this line. Uh, but Microsoft does have the commerce solution uh, as of today. I know that a lot of Microsoft installations are probably going to see Sitecore because .NET, .NET, easy marriage. But here, there seems to be some relation. Do you have any sort of background in terms of what's going on with Microsoft relationship there, Robert? No, no, I have no background in that. Um, I've only worked in a couple of uh, .NET shops, and you know they're very hardcore. Once once they get there, that's what they want. Exactly, and uh, was the primary factor for evaluating Sitecore was it just .NET, or were there any other factors? The folks that I was was talking to, it was because it was .NET. Okay, you and know, what you were already the have a development team that's .NET? and they know the product that you're working with, it just makes it so much simpler to use a tool that just fits right in. Exactly, and what, who were the competitors? Uh, do you remember by any chance? Did they explore any competitors or, you know, Sitecore? <laughs> the season done. <laughs> so we, we had done some about, you know, we had done a first level evaluation and it really came down to them. Interesting, okay, okay. So maybe competitors were on different languages and that would be the reason, yeah. I guess. Because yeah. I don't know any other platform that is built on .NET. There are some, I guess, uh, in the, but they, I don't know if they are mainstream e-commerce vendors. Uh, I, I know a couple that are built on top of ERP, uh, but they are not necessarily an e-commerce platform in my mind. Okay, so some more history here. So Sitecore acquired majority stake in Comfo, a Danish social media marketing uh, community engagement application provider so this is where they got some sort of you know social flavor there as well so it has a little bit of collaboration flavor that we see in a lot of different erp systems by the way the background of ceo there's going to be a little comment here on the ceo as well uh, the ceo uh, has a very interesting background he comes from infor as well as sap 
and obviously he has a little European background there as well. Uh, so that's a very interesting mix. So I don't know if they are going after these large ERP installations because they all are going to be .NET based. Uh, you know, the majority of the ERP platforms, you talk about SAP, you talk about N4, Apicore, uh, you know, obviously Microsoft, they all are going to be very, very, very .NET based. So, you know, that is a little play there, I guess. You know, I don't know if they are going yeah, so after. Some of the, the .NET platforms, um, you may or may not have heard of them. Sitefinity, Kentco, Umbreco, DNN, Vitro Commerce, and Nope Commerce. Kentco, I guess, is the only one that is familiar. Uh, I don't know how means how many installations they have, to be honest, how big they are. Do you know if any of them are big enough? I I do not think that they're big enough for an enterprise. Yeah, yeah, I, I would guess so. Well, sometimes, you know, they might have three installations. They might still be talking, you know, enterprise accounts. There are some players uh, who literally have like three accounts and they somehow got into Walmart or something like that. And they are still surviving just because of that a couple of accounts. Right. Uh, that's always a possibility. Yeah. So here we have some more history here. In 2015, a portion of Sitecore's operations moved to somewhere in California, I guess. That's where they probably got the U.S. foothold. Then uh, I don't know if I have anything major here. Uh, they have been acquiring a lot since 2021. The most interesting part about this platform that I found is they also received the valuation of over a billion dollars. And not just valuation, I guess they got funding over a billion dollars. That is just mind-blowing that every single e-commerce platform is actually receiving either the valuation of over a billion dollars or they are receiving billion-dollar funding, which is just uh, you know phenomenal. Um, and obviously, Sitecore has a lot of value add in my mind, especially when I, I look at the customer data platform. Okay, customer data platform, you, you, your SAP is going to have, your Microsoft is going to have, your Salesforce is going to have, and there might be some best-of-breed players, but then you are going to be worrying about the integration. So how many players are there that can do the real customer data platform for the B2C vendors? And that's where, in my mind, the real advantage is. And that could be the reason why they have received so much funding. Yep. Yeah, this this is a unique take on the e-commerce platform by bundling all of these, these customer data-based tools, which is necessary when you look at the, the actual roles, like a VP of e-commerce or a head of e-commerce, you know, really what their role is, is marketing. And when you think about what you need to be effective in marketing, you need all that data. Exactly. 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 And by the way, when we are talking about, so if you are simply talking about data, data, obviously you can have, you know, tons of data. But when it comes to identifying your customers before you sort of know them. That's where CDP is really powerful. And that's why Salesforce is obviously so hard. Uh, in the commerce space, SAP Hybris was so hard uh, because of CDP. And typically with CDP, as, uh, if you're talking about B2C accounts, you know, they are trying to personalize before you are going to be, you are going to tell me, Robert, that you are Robert Brown. You know, I need to know much before that. Whenever you are going to be taking any sort of action, I am trying to correlate. Okay, so now, Robert has taken one action on my account. If I know anybody else in my database who may have taken similar action, can I show similar offering to Robert? Most likely Robert is going to like. And that is the kind of deterministic identity that we are talking about at the CDP level. I don't think Sitecore is going to be as sophisticated as 
what Salesforce or SAP can do, their uh, you know algorithm is going to be quite deeper. Uh, here, I think they are doing this at they, they they can do five layers of the algorithm. Uh, I don't know if they can go deeper than that. So again, it's going to be slightly more mid-market CDP. <laughs> that that's going to be my understanding. But it's a very powerful capability. Yeah, I mean, you you eventually reach a point. You know, if you look at some of the names that we mentioned, they are not household B2C kind of names. And so, you know, they probably have picked Sitecore and the experience that they're getting and the data that they're getting from that one entity is helping them significantly. But when you get to the upper levels, the upper echelons of, you know, D2C and and B2C, you go for best in class, regardless of what the integrations are, because you have the IT team behind you. And, you know, it, when you're missing that piece of data, you're losing sales. Yeah, could not agree more. Um, any other commentary, Robert, before we know? Okay, so let's move to the next one. So some more history here on the platform. Um, so here they are saying this is coming. Uh, I don't know if this is 2016. We don't have a date. We have one date for 2019. So most likely this one is going to be prior to that. So here, this is the announcement when they had acquired the Style Labs. Uh, and this is the creator of marketing content hub platform. Uh, in my mind, the comparison is probably going to be either Pardot or HubSpot uh, mm-hmm. or Marketo is probably going to be comparable here. Here they are saying adding Site Labs platform to Site Core allows marketing teams to own the in- entire content lifecycle and understand the impact of specific content assets on individual customer behavior. So they were trying to get into this whole mesh of CDP content and how to serve content, uh, you know, optimizely does a lot of this, but we did not see the actual CDP capabilities with them. Um, so, and again, in the B2B, they were targeted for B2B. So in, in the case of B2B, when you already know somebody, then personalization, sure, it might matter, but not as much. Okay. Personalization is really tough in the B2C space when you don't know who is coming to your site. Um, so that's where, uh, you know, I personally like Sitecore a lot, and that's why I believe the real differentiator for Sitecore and the real strength of Sitecore is going to be in those B2C uh, verticals where you are going to have tons and tons of visitors uh, who have not provided their identity, and then you have to personalize, talk about really giant apparel brand when people are shopping for dresses, and then you need to show the right dresses or they are out, you know, <laughs> talking to your competitors. <laughs> now, here... Uh, we have some more commentary here. Capabilities of Sitecore and Site Labs solve this content crisis. Uh, and they have used some very specific names here. I have not even seen these acronyms uh, before with, uh, you know, a lot of other platforms. Uh, so here they are talking, obviously, DEM is very common. They are talking about marketing resource management. Marketing resource management is a very unique term. So, you know, sometimes people might think that that's probably your, you know, DEM. But I don't know how they sort of define the marketing resource management. PIM is, uh, you know, going to be there with most e-commerce platform. Uh, uh, and then uh, we have the Sitecore Experience Cloud enables marketing department and uh, create and optimize volume of assets needed to treat the customers and uh, as individual. So in your perspective, Robert, when you look at marketing resource management, uh, how would you describe? Do you have any sort of experience in terms of what? they might have as part of marketing resource management here, the site core? So I haven't heard that term used in that way. Um, 
but what it is, it, they're talking about content planning, production, and publication. Yeah. So it's it's the entire stream of your content. Um, so it's a planning tool like Hootsuite, where you're going to have a calendar, you're going to have your content in various stages of readiness, and you're just going to start publishing it through and picking out the dates and the channels that it's going to go on, and that's where we're going to go. So you are thinking more of the workflow and the life cycle of content tool that you can collaborate up, you know, among your marketing counterparts, and then you can schedule um, any if you need to sort of make any changes. Obviously, you can do that as well. That's what you're thinking, right? Yeah. So reading on their site, um, Sitecore's marketing resource management connect with the platform that meets all your marketing resource management needs. Sitecore's marketing resource management, part of Sitecore's content hub, helps organize campaigns and content production. Plan and schedule marketing activities, even complex multi-layer ones, align your marketing team's processes, effectiveness, and outcomes, empower marketing operations management and support their success, offer each team member tailored features that address their unique roles, streamline collaboration between internal and external teams. So that sounds like project management tool in my mind. And that's what I was thinking when I read the marketing resource management term, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, it, it's it's a marketing uh, project management tool. Exactly. That's how I would describe it. Yeah. Um, awesome. Um, so here we have some more announcement here in 2019. Um, so here they are saying uh, it has completed its acquisition of Hedgehog uh, development and a customer and partner focused digital uh, consultancy. So it seems like they acquired their own partner. Now, you know, that's always a very tricky situation. So I don't know what their distribution model is. Uh, overall, from the tool perspective, I know that there are a ton of partners uh, and the certified developers. In fact, in reviews, they have claimed that you need to be working with Sitecore certified developers. And there are big, giant consulting firms that are actually consulting on, on Sitecore. Um, so obviously, they have a partner ecosystem. Here, they have acquired, so I don't know what's going on. Maybe they wanted to develop their own internal capabilities along with the partner channel. But this is a very interesting acquisition. Um, going back to the MRM, um, one of the, the things that they've rolled into this, aside from just the PM piece, is also yeah. the user management and rights and management. So it's offer each team member tailored features that address their unique roles. So you're going to create users, you're going to assign them roles, and you're going to ensure that they have access to the modules that they're supposed to. And when you say users are these employees, the marketing marketing team members, right? Yeah. 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 yeah that's what I'm. So again, that would fall under the project management piece because user could mean a lot of different things. Sometimes that could mean the visitors on the site. Well, so when, when I think about project management, you know, there's there's two ways to think about that. Yeah. There's the so there's the calendar. Yeah. Which is a very high level project management. I right. agree. So then there's the workflows piece of it, yep. which is a deeper layer. And then there's the rights management piece of it. So you're, what you're actually doing is you're going into a much deeper level of project management than many people are used to doing in some of these companies. Because now what it looks like you're doing is you're controlling who gets what work, when they get it, and the amount of effort that's assigned to that particular task or set of tasks or those deliverables and be able to follow up on it. And that's that's a much more complex PM tool than just, say, uh, Asana or Monday or uh, Basecamp, um, you know, or MS Project. This, this has got a few more 
threads running through it. I completely agree. And it's going to be flavored, really designed for marketers for their workflow. You are yep. going to have the right insights uh, and the use cases. So obviously that, that's huge uh, in my mind. And by the way, MEC, you are getting the full suite. It's not just the project management. You are good at, uh, getting everything that you need as a marketer, which yep. is a big value add for me. Yeah. Yep. Now it's important here, um, I think, for people going to consider this tool is what tools do you currently use? Yeah. What will this eliminate and streamline for you in terms of ease of process and moving forward? And I think that's a big one because I know, I agree. you know, having managed um, a lot of maintenance kind of efforts and standard marketing kind of efforts, you know, it's fly by the seat of your pants and it's like managed by posty notes and emails and yeah. knocking on doors and phone calls. And yeah. this probably streamlines that a little bit. I completely agree. Um, awesome. So if you don't have any other commentary, let's cover some more uh, slides here. Um, so here, this is one more acquisition, I guess. This was for Box Ever, a SaaS-based CDP. So this is where they got CDP. Providing decisioning and experimentation, and 451 Incorporation, a company delivering modern B2B and B2C experiences for enterprise brands. Uh, so I think this is where they got. This is probably the optimized Lee uh, version of your experience management, and this is probably going to be comparable to your Bloomreach as well. Uh, and they are saying these acquisitions arrive following site course. Uh, unveiling of 1.2 billion with a B, okay, investment plan to fund aggressive growth plans. So again, this is very comparable to what SAP is doing. So, you know, they have done some master acquisitions here. And if I remember correctly, I think uh, Optimize Lee had an executive from SAP as well, and they probably have the similar strategy there. And that's the reason why they ended up rebranding uh, you know, Appy Server to optimize lead. Robert, I don't know if you remember that or not. Uh, but that's my recollection that they got somebody from SAP. So whoever is coming from SAP, they all are going after CDP <laughs> and the experience management platform. Yep. Uh, uh, and here uh, we have some more commentary here. This is going to be content to commerce. That's the category. SaaS paid DXP is how they are trying to define. Then they are saying 451's API first headless e-commerce solution uh, enterprises can quickly and easily deliver engaging shopping experiences, helping improve customer satisfaction, loyalty, and advocacy. And when we were looking at these headless platforms, we didn't know where their destination is going to be. And I don't know who is the investor in Sitecore, to be honest. Okay, So I don't know where they are getting this money from and how many accounts they have. But this seems to be a massive company because if they have 1.2 billion uh, you know, investment plan, I have no idea who's investing in them. But this seems to have real, real bright future here for this company, I guess. Well, I will say this, that whoever wrote this for them is obviously um, playing uh, meeting bingo because it's got a lot of buzzwords. Yeah, but I mean, $1.2 billion is not buzzword. I mean, that's a real money that's sitting right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, so somebody is investing in this company, which is wonderful. You know, typically you are going to see these large investment only with SAP, uh, you know, Salesforce. So, you know, Sitecore is kind of big. Now, here they are saying, you know, Sitecore today announced that it has secured backing from a large uh, scale growth plan fueled by $1.2 billion investment. This is the same. And the CEO is actually coming from SAP as well as Infor, 
he used to be VP at, at Infor. So obviously they sort of know this market very well. Uh, and now they are saying Sitecore provides a fantastic uh, platform and um, an invaluable partner for the global Formica organization starting from our website redesign project, which began in 2000. And I don't know if you have any sort of history on Formica. I don't know who they are, to be honest. Uh, and they are saying e-commerce strategy leveraging Sitecore platform, which allowed us to, so I think that seems to be a customer that they are talking about here. Um, Robert, if you do any research on Formica, obviously we can cover that. Uh, some more commentary here. Uh, they are saying headquarter moves and a SaaS-based marketing automation. So this is where they got marketing automation capabilities. This is going to be very similar to your Pardot and, and HubSpot. Uh, so they are saying, which is part of Sitecore's ambitious ongoing 1.2 billion growth plan. Okay, so they got a lot in that money. Uh, we'll compliment Sitecore's. Yeah, go ahead. That came from a private um, equity firm out of Sweden called uh, EQT. Yeah, EQT is a big one. They are like top 10. And they have Acumatica in their portfolio. They have IFS in their portfolio. So now we know where the money is coming from. And they all are .NET based ERP systems. Uh, EQT, and uh, I, I, they don't have Anaplan. Anaplan is with Thama Bravo. So obviously anything that is going to be your private equity based they are the ones who have a lot of money and they can create these massive movements in the industry. So now we sort of know the backing. Thank you so much, Robert, for that. Yeah. Okay, so this is Moose and Cloud Native uh, API first and modular marketing automation platform. Uh, okay, so here, Sitecore, the global leader in digital experience management software today, announced the acquisition of San Meteo-based uh, Reflection and AI-powered digital search platform this is really big as well. Overall, I don't know how many vendors uh, have that capabilities, but EQT is trying to cook something here. Uh, you know that we need to know what they are trying to do, but they are definitely aligning uh, all of the companies in their portfolio. And Sitecore is probably going to be a big one. I'm super excited about this one now. So these are three different buckets that they have. They call it as content cloud, uh, engagement cloud, as well as the commerce cloud. And they are trying to define it as content to commerce. Now, this is the architecture. Uh, but this is one of the most complex ones that we have seen so far. Yes, a lot of best of breed headless vendors have spoken about this architecture, but I don't know how many people really understand how this architecture works, especially if you when you talk about those CDP capabilities. Everything is, is going to be around uh, the customer data platform, and this is where Salesforce really shines when you are going to be building that common identity. And that's why, uh, you know, um, I think SAP acquired a company called Gigya, uh, you know, that was really into this whole identity management. It was a giant acquisition. I think they must have paid billions and billions of dollars uh, for Gigya, if I remember correctly. And the only reason why they had acquired is because of this uh, deterministic identity and Sitecore can do that. So super exciting what they are able to do here. Uh, some more things overall from the microservices perspective. Uh, here they are saying price, inventory, as well as risk. I have personally not seen risk anywhere else so far in terms of the microservices. The only time I see risk uh, is going to be with companies like Oracle. Uh, even in the ERP world, uh, risk uh, as a service or risk as a modular capability is only going to be with the solution that are targeting either insurance, financials, or healthcare. Those are the organizations that are probably going to be requiring that. Uh, we have seen this in the case of SAP as well. SAP does a lot of things from the risk perspective because uh, you know any of the 
solutions that are going to be targeted in the European market uh, needs to comply with GDPR. And GDPR at the enterprise level is a very different, uh, you know, problem than you are going to have at the SMB level, where you are going to have just one checkbox on your side, and that's a GDPR is done. That's not how GDPR is supposed to be done uh, at the enterprise level, because you have a large, uh, you know, everybody's sort of watching you. Even if you uh, have minor leak in the personalized information, you are probably going to be in trouble. So you need the GDPR capabilities built at the platform level. And we saw that, uh, you know, in the case of, if I remember, uh, SAP Commerce Cloud or SAP Hibis, they had GDPR built as part of the platform. And given who some of their clients are, you know, like, like AXA and a number of hospitals, it makes complete sense that they have risk there. Exactly. And I do know uh, what Oracle is going to do in the new world, because obviously companies need some sort of uh, e-commerce platform. Uh, so now Oracle Commerce is gone. ATG is gone. Uh, you know, now they are targeting healthcare. They target uh, financial services, but Oracle is going to be in Java, but this is going to be on .NET. So that's a very interesting play. I don't know, you know, how this is going to play out, but this is very interesting, I guess. I think uh, you're just going to go on a shopping spree and buy somebody. Yeah, exactly. That's what I am thinking. Now, do you want to guess who that is going to be, Robert? <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> Too early, I guess, right? <laughs> Maybe if we could get in, in on the conversations between Elon and, and Larry, because they have a lot of them, you know, maybe, maybe we could like just be the fly on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Elon does not own any sort of e-commerce companies right now, so I don't know what can be done there. <laughs> uh, just, just offering his perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably going to be very interesting. Okay, so some more concepts here, which I personally found very interesting the way these guys have done. So they are trying to define the, the whole customer persona and, you know, and the data objects. They are looking at the session as well as activity level. OK, that is the data model that I have personally not seen in any other platform so far. So this is a very different data model. The way the data model is designed, it's really designed for those B2C companies. Uh, so here you have the contact center, you have the interaction, and they are trying all of that. Uh, and then the ML recommender, uh, you know, again, a lot of people are talking about AI ML capabilities. But when you combine that with your CDP, that's where the real power is in the headless architecture in my mind. And if, if you actually take a look at this model and realize what that means, I mean, some people are going to go, oh, wow, this looks really great. Speed. How fast does that have to be? Because they have to be able to account for, for example, um, a user on mobile yep. and that is on maybe two or three G, not five G in a city. And, you know, they have to be able to get that data, process it run out to their different databases, pull that in, synthesize it, and come up with recommendations and then push that out to the customer who is on the slower network still within a couple of seconds. Exactly, exactly. I completely agree. Thank you so much for those details. Mm -hmm. So let's cover some more points. So this is the, the, the data layer that I was talking about. Here, you have layers at the guest level. So a lot of e-commerce platform, when you're looking at SMB, sometimes even enterprise, the only thing they can identify is, okay, I'm going to have a guest object. I think we saw that in case of Elasticsearch that they had the guest object as a separate object. But here, underneath guest, you have the session as a separate object, events as a separate object. And now these events are actually going to feed in your uh, microservices architecture, and you are going to be making a lot of actions, especially personalized content based on that. So that's where the real power is, if you really think about how this whole thing is going to play out 
and the real power in my mind is still going to be in the b2c space uh, b2b sure you know you can do a lot as well but b2c is where the real play is because you are doing this for a guest you don't even know them and you are able to do a lot more personalization that's where the real power is and that's what they are trying to say here a guest can have multiple sessions sessions have multiple events uh, a guest can have multiple orders orders can have multiple items so that's where in my mind that's where the, the big differentiator is mm -hmm. some more comments here this is the deterministic identity that i was talking about so they are doing based on email address loyalty program number unique business identifier whatever is available they are trying to correlate and show uh, you know different um, composable commerce experiences to these users uh, so cdp plus the composable commerce uh, you know again that's very powerful notion um, especially in the b2c space what else do we have if the guest provides enough to match based on the identity rules cdp migrates their current browsing data to existing guest profile and they are doing a lot of conversion as well if they have uh, sort of figured out that okay this is probably robert then obviously i need to tie that interaction or the session to robert's history so that in next time robert is going to come robert is not going to feel that i did not account for that session so again they are doing a lot more intelligence in the in the background to be able to tie the session as soon as they have figured out no even though robert has not told me that this is robert but i have figured out and i am going to tie this with robert's identity and then going to track based on what robert had told me before um in the previous session um so these are the five rules i would think that sap and salesforce probably can do a lot so again depending upon your use case what you are trying to do in terms of your marketing creativity uh you know you might want to explore a little bit there uh how many layers do you want in the deterministic identity algorithm that you are going to set for your uh visitors so this is the mind map uh, and again there are very different layers here in this mind map in my mind uh there are things that are very unique to this platform and again that's going to be your segment the events the identifiers the sessions the orders uh you know those are very unique again i when we reviewed salesforce data model it, it was not very apparent uh, they were doing a lot of things similar to what optimize was doing but this is where you know they have really shown the power uh, of the platform what is possible in this one so i really like uh, what sitecore has this is the validation uh, algo that they have so obviously they are going to have similar capabilities as we saw in the case of your oracle commerce but this is far deeper here they are also trying to validate before they publish so again that's a huge 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 element when you are going to have a lot of collaboration between different teams and you are literally picking the pieces and pushing to different sites in my mind that's very powerful in general not a lot of enterprise platforms can really support these capabilities so obviously is a very powerful cms this is the personalized experience but the the layout and the look and feel is very similar to your optimizely um, the way this is laid out you know you just have two variants pop ups you know one pop up to one audience uh, second pop up to second audience here one thing that i did not see is the audience builder and the reason could be because probably they don't need audience builder because you are using cdp so typically the legacy platform are going to be using the audience builder okay age group this uh, you know taste this preference this show this pop up now in my mind i think that's a very legacy way of doing things here you are tying this with cdp and that's what makes it very powerful because you don't need to have these predefined algorithms to be able to serve your content 
you know, you are serving based on the real, uh, you know, insight that you are getting as the visitor is walking to your site. Now, the whole uh, content hierarchy is very powerful as well, the way they have done. And they have very, 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 uh, you know, powerful capabilities here, even in terms of the deployment. So they have SFMC, tenant, data access, endpoints, pipeline batches, pipelines, uh, tenant settings, value mapping sets. Uh, and again, this is this shows the power of the kind of deployment pipelines that you are going to have, because obviously you are going to have multiple streams, very many developers that are going to be working on many different changes, you know, probably a team of 50 or 100 or, you know, that's how big these teams are going to be. So obviously you need to push a lot of, uh, you know, changes and the features. So that's where your uh, continuous deployment is going to be super powerful and seems like they have this inbuilt. You don't have to use a third party continuous deployment platform. Again, in my mind, that's very powerful. Uh, you know, everything is done from e-commerce perspective. This is the journey builder. Now, this journey builder is going to be very similar to your uh, Salesforce journey builder. And I don't know, this probably they integrate with the Salesforce marketing platform as well. Uh, but seems like, again, when you combine the, the power of CDP, uh, combine the power of the journey builder, uh, and obviously the content platform as well, that's where the real power is. And here you are not serving the content to a bunch of personas in an existing account when you know everything about that account. Okay, that's a very different experience than when you just don't know anything about the person who's coming to your site and then you need to serve the content. That's where the real power is in my mind. Here, this is the personalized composability. Uh, and you know, this is how the composability is going to work that you are able to visualize the changes the way you are compiling this, you know, whatever pop-up you want, whatever composable experience you want based on the customer journey. These are not predefined journeys. These are really the real journeys as your visitors are going to be. Sometimes you are not going to know, you know, what they are going to like, but you are sort of doing the correlation based on whatever steps that these guys are trying to take. In my mind, that's the very powerful AI ML capabilities where you don't have anything predefined. You are simply deciding based on, okay, you take one action, then I am going to decide what the next action is going to be based on that, what I am going to show you in again that's very powerful in general robert do you have comment uh or i should jump onto the reviews no let's go ahead and jump on the reviews i mean i i i love the fact that you know this is so the ability to have it so personalized um and it just i love it when when sites provide that capability and this is the first time we've actually reviewed a site that has this level of capability yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm I'm just blown away. And that's probably the reason why EQT is investing so much money. Uh, because again, you know, if you talk about these capabilities, the only companies I know personally are only going to be your Salesforce, SAPs of the world. Those have these really deep capabilities in correlating data across the channels. Yep. Here, then we are talking about site core integration and deployment require highly specialized technical skills and cannot be handled by anyone directly without training. Uh, you know, to pricing, obviously, you probably require a lot more depth here. So you need to work with the experts. This is not really designed for your SMBs. You probably need far more qualified people who understand business, who understand marketing, as well as uh, technology, obviously. Uh, you know, they are saying higher side when compared to other similar platforms available in the market, free training, uh, you know, Sitecore has a steep learning curve. Uh, requires proper training for the end users to comfortably start utilizing all uh, the time. And I think the other user has 
disagreed with this particular user so there is a little disagreement among the reviews as well some people are liking it some people are not but in general any enterprise platform is probably going to require training so go easy on yourself that this is probably going to be complex the more complex the, the more capabilities a platform has the more unique features um the more training you need and they're building usually they're building it so fast that any documentation any training that has been created is probably going to be behind where they are yeah. this day and so i think what you end up having is users that that make those negative comments have probably never gone through something like this before are not used to being made uncomfortable and having to learn a new platform from scratch with really poor guidance it's unfortunately it's the nature of the beast and that's when quite frankly the programmer project manager failed they probably should have had some expert training sessions yeah. set up not from sitecore but from third party people that have actually used this um extensively and can come in and do like one or two day workshops yeah could not agree more great comment um so some more comments on the reviews here uh, they are saying website ab testing building landing pages and building and designing content on the website the best part is having multi sites for different languages obviously that is going to be there and that sort of proves that this is going to be an enterprise platform uh here one more comment at times does require coding language html css okay obviously that's given okay any enterprise platform if you don't even know html and css good luck uh, you know with that then you are probably going to be working with you know consulting companies who sort of know but in this particular case you probably require uh, extensive dotnet background as well not just html and css no i from from marketing perspective no you wouldn't be required to know dotnet i think i think this is a marketing user that's saying this and if you're in marketing and you don't know basic html and css shame on you honestly shame on you most of them uh, know these days but you know i still come across a lot of marketers who don't know that to be honest okay and and i <laughs> and i'm raising the flag right now that if you are in marketing and you don't know basic html or css shame on you and you you <laughs> should just go over to the linkedin learning pages or any one of the others and just start learning it because quite frankly it will make you better at your job yeah i completely agree and it'll make you better to recognize how much effort is required in building and probably you'll be far more qualified to work with developers uh, and then you have to and and then you won't be complaining when you have to wait for it because you can just do it yourself exactly no but i mean okay so here's the problem okay just because you know how to do the plumbing it does not mean that you should never hire a plumber okay a plumber I, does that for living on a daily basis they have seen every single curve balls so you are learning so that you can work with plumbers easily okay right. <laughs> you so, should not try to so, be a plumber yeah yeah so what this is talking about so i'm differentiating so you absolutely need your development team to do the dot network absolutely but if you're if you're pushing out quick campaigns and want to do a quick modification for say an ab test yeah you know then then you should know the html and css so if you're doing an ab test like my button placement should be here or here okay just modify the html and the css to make that happen that's a great differentiation by the way thank you so much robert for that uh okay some more comments here and then we can open up for the open commentary uh we have 7 minutes right now so uh, the user is saying best cms product and this company is in the healthcare 
uh, health, wellness, and fitness. In my mind, that's very B2C play. Um, and that's why I think this is the right fit. It has, uh, you know, 1,000 to 5,000 employees. Again, good size. Uh, here they are saying implementations have been multi-business unit implementations where the business unit across the whole organization uses this. Then implementing it is very expensive from a software and development point of view. And you are so right. Yes, it is going to be expensive. But, you know, you are getting capabilities, uh, you know, that are going to be enterprise grade. You can do a lot of things here. You can make a lot of money, but obviously you need to invest uh, as well. Uh, so here they are saying site core experience manager does not work well in Google Chrome. And this is not the only review that we have seen that complained this one. Okay, so it works really well with Firefox. It does not work as well uh, with Chrome, which is very interesting. And that's where your .NET and Microsoft Google fight is probably going to be there. There's going to be a little rivalry. Uh, that they are probably making sure that Sitecore does not work well in Chrome. <laughs> so good luck with that. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and what's really sad is I still know some companies that actually require their employees to use like IE or Edge. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't have any answer there. <laughs> and and the IT excuse for that is security. Yeah, that's too much IT in my mind. Uh, yeah, too much IT. Um, okay, so some more comments here. Uh, they have we have had trouble scheduling publications, which is sort of a shock for me because I would think that they would be good at this, but maybe they are not really good into the workflow capabilities. Uh, the price falls more to the premium side of things, which is true. Uh, integration of our leads uh, from with Salesforce.com, so they are using Salesforce and helps to streamline the process. However, it was very expensive to implement in mid-chain. Uh, now, one more commentary here. So here, this is the UBM PLC. These are event services, B2C, great play, uh, 1,000 to 5,000 employees, wonderful. Uh, that's the right fit. Our team uses Sitecore for all our website content management needs, uh, build lead generation forms, uh, product promotion, event pages. And again, if you are the event services company, obviously, you need far deeper capabilities there. Almost right, every so day. Yeah. I would I would completely discount this particular review because it's from 2017 and that's pre one billion dollar investment and the acquisition of like six other companies. Right. And so which are the elements that you are not agreeing? Do you want to highlight it's, those? It's not, it's not so much the elements that specifically that I'm agreeing with or disagreeing. I'm just saying that it's a whole different beast than it was in, two, in, in 2017. I mean, I, you know, we can go back and we can we can look at the fact that in uh, 2019, 2018, they got that you know one point you know one point one billion dollar acquisition, and then in you know uh, 2019 and 2021 they acquired five or six different companies. I think most of these are addressed. The workflow specifically is definitely addressed with. The companies that they acquired. So okay, so let's go back to the workflow. Well, I wish Sitecore had better staging and publishing options. I wish the current version we unable to preview a post before it goes live. Uh, video and Bridget can be a little wonky. Sitecore does not work well with Google Chrome. Okay, not a deal breaker, but a little annoying. Um, E-commerce can be a bit challenging uh, if you are looking to sell products from your website and don't have an in-house in-house IT team. You may need to consider 
a more plug and play option. That would probably that's a true statement yeah. at this size. Yeah, so I can see where you are coming from, Robert. So I think you are saying that, you know, the workflow, at least the publishing workflow, they must have because of the new acquisitions. Uh, Google Chrome issues, I would suggest do research on that, okay? (laughs) Because a lot of people have identified, and I don't know if acquisitions are going to solve that problem. Uh, Video embed widget, I would say do a little research there as well. Uh, I can probably see why that would be happening. Again, when you are going to have conflict between Microsoft, Google, .NET, Java, you know, that's a very interesting play that you will not know unless you are in the technology world. <laughs> so do research there. There could be a real possibility that there are some real challenges. Uh, but you could be right as well, Robert, that, you know, maybe, um, you know, the acquisition must have solved these issues. Like, I think the next one on the next page, Sitecore, you have to dig for the gold, but the gold is there. Virtually nothing comes out of the box. You need to develop every component and do so within a defined process and framework, which can be fairly big development overhead. Yeah. Uh, I think at this size um, e-commerce solution, I think that's a fair statement across any of them. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree with you. Yeah. I completely um, agree. You know, uh, on the next one, you need to have strong site core certified developers. Well, I would require that anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this know, is not your Shopify, okay? This is not your big commerce. If you are SMB, I, I, I go for Shopify. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't put a Salesforce developer on on this. It's like if I'm doing Salesforce, I wouldn't want a Shopify developer on it. It's like you know, com- that's just what I believe to be common sense in IT and development at, at this size. Exactly. Exactly. I completely agree. Any more comments, Robert? No. Okay, uh, let's do some free flow commentary and look at the comment from um, audience as well, if you have anything here. Um, yeah, we don't have a ton of comments, so yeah, we'll ignore those. Uh, any final comments, Robert, before we close? No, I, I really like this solution, and I think uh, when you are in the, the enterprise level, mid to large enterprise level, this is definitely something to look for. Actually, I think this is um, probably... Small moving into medium size enterprise, this is a great solution. If you're medium moving into large or extra large, then you're probably looking at best in class, and this may or may not be the tool for you um, because, you know, there, there are a lot of tools out there that do the customer experience, like Adobe has the customer experience manager as well. Exactly. I think that's where the argument is. So not, uh, you know, the integration is a very tricky play, even though a lot of platforms in the market, they are trying to sell this whole best of breed experience to be easy. But number one, create that integration architecture is very, very hard in general when you are going to have so many different technologies, tools. Uh, Best of breed is easy on paper, uh, you know, but developing that, creating that experience, especially when you are going to have the transactional correlation. Uh, that could be hard. But in this particular case, in the marketing space, best of breed might work as well. But I completely agree with you that this is going to be for the companies that require that integrated suite. Everything is part of one platform. Integrated, you don't have to invest as much money with the integration. Yep. Any more comments, uh, Robert? Nope, this is great. Uh, all right, guys. So that's it for today. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another topic. Uh, on that note, thanks, uh, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Thanks, all. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings 
from our guest and hopefully you learned something new today if you want to learn more about robert brown head over to rgbecommerce.com it's r g b e c o m m e r c e.com links and more information will also be available in the show notes if anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business you might want to check other related episodes including the interview with ben rannek who shares his insights into how companies can increase their revenue by improving the findability and searchability of their product lines also the interview with colin cronin who shares his insights into the evolution of b2b digital e-commerce capabilities for a global medical device manufacturer also don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds if you have any questions or comments about the show please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or dm me on any social channels i'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help thank you and i hope to get you on the next episode Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.